Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today we're going out to the Rocky Mountains with Denver's top broker, Susie Langford. Hi, Susie. How are you today? I'm really good. Thanks, John. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited to learn about what's happening in, and, and what's going on in Denver. But first, let's talk about you, Susie. So where did you grow up? So I actually uh, grew up in a couple of different places. I was... Um, uh, born in Southern California in Pasadena and lived down there till I was about six. And then we moved up to Oregon and I grew up on a farm in Oregon. My dad had a construction company up there and, um, and my mom was actually a realtor. So, so that's, and then moved to Colorado in my teens and, um, have loved it ever since. Now, uh, up in, in Denver, do you go skiing much? Uh, we do. Yeah, I do. I go, I don't go as much as I used to, but I still go a few times every year. Awesome. That is great. Um, so what led you, aside from having real estate in your blood with your mother, uh, what led you into real estate? You know, I, when I bought my first house, my, um, my realtor was a very nice lady, but she had only been in real estate a short time. And after I went through that process with her, I thought, well, I could easily do, <laughs> I could easily do this. And, um, I was getting ready to start a family and I thought, well, this would be a perfect career. I could, um, you know, have some flexibility with my schedule and not have to have my kids in daycare all the time. You know, little did I know my boss at the time I was in a, I was a marketing coordinator for a large orthopedic group here in Denver and my boss at the time, when I told her that I, I thought I was going to get my real estate license and, you know, get a real estate career, she chuckled and she said, Susie, I don't know why you think you're going to work less in real estate. She said, you're going to work way more and you're going to have to work weekends. And, you know, she was kind of giving me the down and dirty, but I was convinced that it was going to be the, the, the right thing. And I mean, it has been the right thing. I've been doing it for um, 28 years, but I, uh, she was right. My <laughs> My poor kids, you know, from time to time got drugged to just about everything, showings, whatever, you know, the babysitter couldn't show up or I get called at the last minute. You know how real estate is. You're always on call. You know, it's so funny when you say about the kids. I, I used to take my daughter sometimes I had to, you know, to uh, showings because that's what I had to do at the time. And yeah. she actually helped me sell some of the houses. Yeah, there you, know, you go. She was a, you know, because they loved her because she was so, you know, uh, I, she must have been about eight or nine or something, you know. And yeah. everybody said, oh, your daughter's so great. Yeah, you know, I said, I know. Anyway, uh, she yeah. doesn't want to go into real estate because she sees her dad work too hard. So Exactly. I couldn't convince my girls to to really go full oh, really? time either. Yeah, <laughs> they just they felt like uh, we, we don't want to have to work every weekend. So they weren't crazy about it. Right. Exactly. Um, what's one of the things that you love about real estate? You know, I what I love the most is just every day is so different. Um, and I have such amazing clients. And I know it sounds like a cliche, 
but I really do. And I've, I've made such good friends and um, stayed friends with them for years. So I think those are, those are my two favorite things about, about the business. Is there anything you don't like? Well, oh boy. Um, Nasty clients. I would say, yeah, <laughs> I don't have too many of those. I would say Neither um, do I. probably, yeah, probably the biggest um, challenge is honestly attorneys working with attorneys, you know, in Colorado, we really don't have to work with attorneys that much. The way our real estate contracts are set up, it's rare that you have to work with an attorney. And, and when we do, they just seem to muck everything up. You know, they, it's like they, if there's not a problem, they're going to create a problem. So that would probably be my biggest my biggest uh, thing that I really don't like, which doesn't happen very often, thankfully. Well, what, let me ask you the question, okay? You couldn't convince your kids to uh, go into real estate. What would you? Uh, what kind of advice would you give to a someone thinking about becoming an agent? You know, I would say you really have to think of it like starting any other business. You need to have capital. You need to have at least 20% of whatever you want to make for marketing. So if you want to make $100,000 a year, you need to have $20,000 for marketing and just all the expenditures that go in. A lot of people, I think, you know, when they get their real estate license, believe that they can just get their license, hang their shingle, and they're going to make a, you know, a whole bunch of money. And they don't really understand that this is starting a business. This is starting your own business. And you've got to have cash in the bank. And you've got to um, be prepared for the overhead expenditures that you're going to need to invest. You know, you have to invest in any business. And real estate is no difference and, and or different. So I would really recommend that they plan accordingly and be prepared for that. Excellent advice. That's that's really good. Um, so let's talk about. Well, actually, you have uh, you do uh, Denver uh, Metro Denver, and correct yep. me if I'm wrong on this. Yep. And, and also uh, and Boulder. So let's yep. talk about both those markets. But first, let's talk about Denver. How is the inventory yep. there? So our inventory um, over last year is down sixteen percent, but our sales are down twenty seven percent. So uh, this time over last year, this, you know, so, um, but our average price is still up in Metro Denver is up by 10% in Boulder. It's up by almost 12% over this time last year. So the, the market is still, you know, fairly, um, fairly balanced. Uh, it's definitely much more of a buyer's market than it was a year ago, for sure. Um, we're not having quite as many bidding wars. Um, it's really only the very exceptional property that's in a great location um, that you are having a bidding war. And um, so even though, but our average prices are still holding pretty steady because our inventory hasn't increased that much. So even though the buyer pool has gone down because our inventory hasn't increased that much more, you know, it's, it's still a pretty good market where our average days on market in Metro Denver is about a month, a month to 45 days, depending on the location. And, you know, honestly, that's like a normal market, right? Like that's the way it used to be before we hit all the, um, you know, the, the market craziness. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's really pretty normal, uh, but I would say that it's definitely swinging in the buyer's favor. So even though interest rates are higher, it's really such a fantastic time to buy because they, um, 
they can take advantage of all the incentives that the sellers are offering and the price reductions. I mean, our average our average property now is seeing at least a 10% price reduction right now. Wow. But, it, it, you know, it's interesting because you hear the media say that, okay, the market is cooling, but by the same token, to me, it seems like it's normalizing. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's leveling out to where it should be as yeah. compared to like tanking, you know, you get this, they want to sell papers and whatever. And, yeah. um, and you know, I don't know if that's the same in Denver, if that's what's happening there. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I think that's exactly what's happening. You know, it used to be that you, to have a balanced inventory and a balanced market with buyers and sellers, you know, you would have about three months of inventory, three to six months of inventory. And we're, we're, we're pretty close to that. We're not quite there yet. It depends on, um, it depends on the location, but I think we're getting pretty close to that. So in Denver, is there, are there certain loca- locations that uh, are more appealing, so to speak? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Both in price point and, and demand. Um, Cherry Creek is very popular. Um, there's some areas around downtown, not downtown proper, but around the downtown area. And then outside of the downtown area in the suburbs, uh, you know, some of the neighborhoods that are much more popular are in um, like Littleton, Highlands Ranch. They still sell because their average price is still something that most buyers can afford. You know, our average price in Metro Denver is 666000 right now. And, you know, so it's, it, you know, our price point is not like the East Coast or, you know, the right. Upper East Like New York. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Now, I don't know Denver, but I assume, and I'm making an assumption, then you'll correct me again. Uh, is there a seasonal rental market in, yeah, in, I would, in Boulder, maybe? Yeah, there is. There is a rental market. Um, and even some in the Cherry Creek area and, and downtown Denver, you still will get um, folks that come in for um, the ski season, sometimes they'll stay over here just because they fly into Denver and they'll spend a few days here before they head up to the mountains and shop and and do some other things. We've got some great shopping in Cherry Creek, so that's always fun. And then um, so but it's not like a resort market down here. Obviously, Boulder is not really a resort market either in the in the sense that you've got that high volume of people that come in during the um, ski season and summer season and, you know, that sort of thing. So there's more of a, a year round market, rental market in Denver? Yep. 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 It's definitely a year round market. And is it hard it's definitely, to find? Is it hard to find rent, you know, a year round? Um, it can be. It depends on your price point and where you want to be. I mean, again, it, it kind of comes down to if you're if you're willing to go outside of town by about 30 minutes, then you probably aren't going to have too much trouble. But if you want to be right in Denver proper or you want to be right in, you know, certain locations like the Denver Tech Center or Golden or um, even in Boulder, that those rental markets are pretty premium. And so you it, it, it can be a challenge. Wow. That's interesting. OK. Um is it harder to do comps uh, than say a year ago because of yes. the uh, rising? <laughs> because I mean, you have to have your pulse on the on the market oh because gosh. you know all of a sudden you hear oh so and so just sold whatever. Yeah. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. Oh yeah, it's so hard to do comps right now because we're in such a fluctuating market. Um, 
you know, I, I've got some, I have a, a listing right now that I thought I priced really well based on market reductions and some of the price reductions that we'd seen, but we still aren't under contract and it's been, you know, over a month. So, you know, I just made another price reduction. It is, it is a challenge because the comps are not, you know, we don't have comps reflective of the current market right now. It's, it's tougher. Six months ago, the market was still really strong. And uh, so we're, we're, you know, getting that comp price just right is, is not easy right now. Has the uh, mortgage uh, interest rates affected uh, the market much or, you know, to me, everybody's saying, oh my God, it's 6% going up 7%. Uh, but a lot of people don't remember when mortgages were, uh, I'm trying to recall, I remember my first house, I think I paid 14% and I thought it was a deal. <laughs> You're right. I know. Well, I, my first house, I got 8% and I, we were so excited. We thought this is just amazing. We got the best deal ever. But, you know, yes, it's definitely, it's definitely affecting, you know, for two reasons, because if sellers have their current property at a 2.75 or a 3.25 interest rate, the idea of selling and moving into a new property at six and a half or 7% is not appealing to them right now. So that's what's kept our inventory lower. Um, and of course, the buyer pool then, you know, people can qualify for less. And so that is affecting um, how much they can buy and what they're going to get. So interest rates are having are definitely that's what's really slowing our market down. If we if we had even if we had four and a half percent interest rates right now, the market would still be a lot stronger than it is right now. Interesting. Oh, OK. Um, if someone had some more questions for you about Denver metro area or Boulder, how could they reach you, Susie? So the best way is um, by my phone and obviously email. But um, my phone number is 303-493-1455. And my email is S for Susie Langford, L-A-N-G-F-O-R-D at L-I-V for Victor, S for Sam, I-R.com. So it's S Langford at livesir.com. Beautiful. Susie Langford, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting in the vibrant village of Southampton on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. Please stay right where, where you are since we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I have with me the owner of Hampton House Watching and also a compass broker, Amadeus Earhart. Amadeus, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, John? I'm doing great, actually. Uh, you have a very interesting background, Amadeus. Can you tell us about it? And where were you born? So I'm originally uh, from Hamburg, Germany. I moved to, to Los Angeles at the age of 10 with my parents. Um, I then went to school in California. And after a 12-month stint uh, in Costa Rica, I moved uh, to Manhattan. And uh, I started working uh, in the coffee industry. I managed logistics for one of the largest decaffeinated coffee importers. That is interesting. Okay, so how did you get into real estate? Well, in 2007, I decided to follow some advice my father had given me, and that was 
you got to be self-employed. And I just didn't know how to do that uh, in any other field but real estate. And so I pivoted, got my real estate license and started uh, selling real estate. That is awesome. And then, then you segued into property management. So what led you into that? So this is interestingly enough, my uh, my family, uh, I was basically born into it. It's something my grandfather already did uh, in the early 1900s. And then uh, my father, um, after many years in the fashion industry, pivoted back into real estate as well. And uh, that's what he he did uh, in Los Angeles. So I guess I grew up with it. It's in my blood. That is great. Um, so. Coming from, uh, you've built up quite a business uh, when you started in the property management. Were there any uh, challenges or hurdles that you had to overcome along the way? I think like any other startup, it was basically finding clients, getting the word out there, building a brand. And then what's been most challenging in the last three to four years where we, we've been dealing with things like COVID was just building a team that you could rely on and uh, that, uh, that, that was dependable. Wow. That is, a, that is good. Okay. Um, what, what attributes do you think that you have that led to your success in property management? I'm German. I'm detail oriented. Um, I'm persistent, uh, but I think overall it's my background in logistics. So it's always been about organization for me and uh, the the flow of processes and in in my opinion property management is mostly about managing and hence it's logistics well the thing is too you also have to uh, lead your you, you have a team i'm sure that you rely upon like uh, you know uh, you can't be at every house that you're managing so you have a team that goes out there if there's a certain issue that has to be taken care of like a, a leaky faucet um that's leading Right. So you have to also be a leader, you think? Absolutely. I mean, you have to you have to be organized and you have to have resources. So at this point, I have a team of six. They are out there. Uh, believe it or not, two of them are actually full time in the office doing the behind the scenes work. So they are constantly scheduling vendors and they're calling those vendors, making sure that those vendors will actually show up, which seems to be a continuous issue in, in the Hamptons, uh, especially now since we've had uh, COVID come through and a lot of the uh, other companies that we work with in the service industry, everybody has the same challenges we do. They can't find enough people to work for them. Um, so we have two full-time employees in the office, basically giving the other uh, three or four people we have at any point in time in the field um, the information that they need so they can be there to open doors at the at the right time or to give them the support so that we can call the vendors we need, i.e. we found a leaky pipe, we've got to get a plumber in there, or we found a system with the heat not working, call HVAC in there. Is it something that we need to resolve today or wait, the owner's not there and it's 50 degrees out, so it might not be that important to get the heat fixed within the next two hours. Obviously, we always try to strive for that, but we're also giving the vendors we work with the courtesy that we don't exhaust their resources. Excellent. So are you on call 24-7, though? Yes, 365 days a year. As I've mentioned, luckily, I have a team of six that help me manage this. And so uh, I have opted out of being the person who is always responding. 
answering the call at 2 a.m. in the morning, you mean? Right. You know, again, the buck stops with me because we have, uh, of course, we 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 have um, uh, a phone system at the end of the day. If uh, one of my team doesn't wake up for some reason, my phone is the one that ends up ringing. Got it. What was uh, just curiosity? What was your worst uh, wake up call? You know, that's a That's a good question. I have to honestly admit there was never a worst wake up call. Um, I would think our worst situation or worst incident, better say, was a basement, a finished basement, a beautiful finished basement that completely flooded uh, due to uh, a faulty or due to a disintegrating uh, pipe. And unfortunately, this uh, um, pipe break went undetected for three days uh, and there was quite extensive damage. Walking into that uh, was was petrifying, making that phone call to the owner was uh was was not easy but we did it and then we you know managed throughout the what do we call it a disaster we had the house pumped and uh, and then we took it from there and uh seven months later luckily the entire basement was rebuilt and and ready to go again did the insurance pay for that i believe that the insurance paid for the majority of that yes so it's good to have insurance or at least the homeowner definitely has should have insurance. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's good to have insurance, good to have alarms. It's extremely good to have water and temperature sensors. Right, right, right. Do you have any tips uh, or any kind of maintenance advice you could offer homeowners, especially now that we're heading into the winter and uh, next month or so? Well, winterize. Call your irrigation comp call your irrigation company and your plumber, make sure you set dates for those both to be winter stop winterized. Um, here's one that people forget, have your HVAC checked, you know, make sure that your oil furnace is clean, ready to go, that you're not going to run into any issues. Your HVAC company might tell you, Hey, this thing is 25 years old. We think we've seen better time. Maybe it's best for us to replace it now before we're in the dead cold winter. Um, and the one that people tend to forget about the most is if you're lucky enough to have a generator. Make sure you have a service agreement for it. Call your service provider. Ask them when was the last time they looked into it. Make sure it's ready to rumble. Another one, the trees. Check for trees that are close to your house or the power lines leading to your house. Have them cut back. Have them cut back now because it will help you avoid mayhem once we have bigger storms coming in. That's all great advice. Speaking of advice, uh, did you have any mentors along the way that shared something with you that has helped you with your business? You know, I think that for me, property management and house watching, it's a common sense thing. So I see things that other people don't see. Um, as far as mentors go, I say work hard, keep your head down, and most importantly, manage expectations. And that's something I, I definitely heard back in the day from, from my father. He said, always manage your clients' expectations. Sounds like great advice to me. Um, what questions uh, should a homeowner ask a prospective property manager before hiring them? So I think first and foremost, make sure that your property manager is local. And what I mean with that is make sure that if, you're, if your home is somewhere on the east end, please have them live um, east of say the canal or somewhere, a property manager should be able to get to your house within 30 minutes. 
depending in the summer as well as in the winter. Obviously, in the winter, we get around easier, although snowstorm might impede that a little bit. But what I've seen a lot um, pop up on the landscape is a lot of companies from out west coming to do business in the Hamptons. And I understand that. And perhaps at times, they're probably more economical. The question is, how helpful is it at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night if you're locked out of your house, if your property manager lives somewhere in Smithtown and needs about two hours to get to you, or God forbid, um, your basement is filling up with water, right? So with us, the, um, our office is located in Bridgehampton, and I have guys living in East Hampton, in Sag Harbor, and Hampton Bay. So, and then I myself live also in Sag Harbor, but closer to to Deerfield. I feel like we got it covered pretty well. We we're, we can be at any of our houses within thirty minutes or less. Um, references. That's great. Yeah, that, that's references. Great. That's- that's a that's great advice there, Amadeus. Um, when a, you have a new client sign up for your services, do you do an inspection of the property so you know how uh, things are in tip top shape or things that need to be taken care of? So we absolutely we will do our intake inspection of the house, and generally my operations manager and myself will go through it. And we will try to immediately pinpoint any issues that uh, could arise or things that should be addressed. Um, and then we come up with checklists for every property, both inside and outside, things that our guys can check on a weekly basis. And we continue amending these things. Good. Uh, do you sometimes uh, turn clients away? And if so, why? Uh, for the most part, we don't. Um turn clients away. We have a lot of inquiries from people who just want to hire us for the summer to, I guess, babysit their tenants. And that's not really something that we do. We offer year-round service only. And we value the relationship with our owners. And we feel we have a much better grasp of what's going on at the property if we're involved 24-7. Right, right. It makes total sense what you're saying, because I know a lot of homeowners do rent their house. And and like you say, there'll be some place in Europe or wherever, and something happens, and they they're looking for a guy like you, but again, they only want you for the uh, the time that the tenants are there. So that makes total sense what you're saying. Um, so let's pivot and talk about real estate. Um, since you're also a, uh, a Compass broker, have you noticed any change in the market, say from six months ago? You mean like our phone ringing a little less? What's that? I, Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, in a nutshell, with the increase in the uh, interest rates, we also saw a pretty uh, quick slowdown in uh, in the home sales. I'd say volume is down significantly, right? And right. I don't necessarily see that changing. Um, having said that, though, I feel like it's a great time to come in and buy. And the reason why I think that is, uh, you know, Everybody needs to live somewhere. So they're either going to rent or they're going to buy. I, for one, like to buy and not pay someone else rent because it leaves me with nothing if I just rent. Um, I also feel like this increase of interest rates is a temporary thing. And I think that the minute the Fed starts lowering rates perhaps again, that there is a pent-up demand in buying that's building right now. It might not be huge, but there's going to be a pent-up demand of people who are just afraid to jump into the market. I think the wise, the smart buyer, you jump in it now, you have little to no competition in buying that property. Hence, you should be able to attain a better price. 
And if you're worried about interest rates, take an adjustable and then refinance. Amadeus Earhart, I'm so happy that you've been on the program and sharing your knowledge. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the bustling village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. Thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, be sure to have an awesome journey. You have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM, Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at WLIW.org radio.